Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. <laughs> Time's a flat circle and we just finished this episode. <laughs> this week we reviewed a movie you should never ever watch. The 2021 movie with Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson, Reminiscence. We also have just produced an episode that you might not want to even listen to. Listen, listeners, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I can bear listening to us talk about this movie again. So I will leave this episode unedited because I just I no. can't stand it. I don't know if I can stand it. I don't know if I can do it. You can do it, Steven. <sighs> Steven gives this movie the lowest rating he has ever given a movie. So stay around for that. Also, we go to Romance Corner. We talk briefly about St. Joe, a street drug, a dude imperfect guy without an ear, and a convoluted plot where they... It is like stealing a Bed Bath & Beyond piece of furniture by becoming a Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> employee. Sell furniture. All this and more on Movies on the Side. We broke Steven. <sighs> it's so a greatest sorry. showman fan fiction. I'm so sorry we did this movie. Welcome to Movies on the Side. It's me, your co-host, Nate Baranowski. Now, before Mm. we get going into the the regular episode, I have to make a quick announcement. I want to say that us here at Mott's, or Movies on the Side, are really just waiting for the Mario movie where Chris Pratt is cast as Mario. But, unfortunately, that movie will not exist for like another year, so we can't review it yet, although it is extremely our jam. (laughs) So... In the meantime, we will review a lot of other movies, but let me just assure you folks that we're just buying time until the Mario (laughs) animated movie comes out. Right. Thank you. That's a programming note. And now Stephen will talk about this week's movie. Well, and to be clear, this Mario movie is an animated movie, so he's just voicing it. This is not like the live action Mario movie that came out when we were kids that's traumatizing if you watch it exactly but chris pratt of all the things i would love to see chris pratt in one of them is not voicing mario so i'm very curious uh, how that goes see you tried to change it the first time you said it and then new york came out for that last one mario Mario, I know. No, this is, that's good for our New York listeners. That makes them feel oh, like okay. part of the show. All right, thank you. Yeah, that's good. No, but we're not doing Mario this week. We are reviewing the 2021 movie starring Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson, Reminiscence, which is the hardest word to spell over and over again as I've tried to take notes on this movie. What do you think is a worse title? Reminiscence or what's the name of that movie with Liam Neeson at the border? Shooty Man. The Marksman? The Marksman. Was that, was that what it was I think called? Reminiscence yeah. is truly a bad movie title. Most it's a terrible movie it's title. Difficult to spell, difficult to say, <laughs> it's and impossible. not necessarily like pulls you in as a word. It's not pull you in, but the advertising for this movie pulled us in because yeah, we, we saw ads uh-huh. and it's like Hugh Jackman, big name, we'll watch anything he's in. And Rebecca Ferguson that we have talked about from Mission Impossible fame and, you know, the two of them in one movie that's about the dystopian future. Count me in. Yep. I, I want to see that movie. And so I was very excited to see this. It was on HBO Max, which I guess they've t- taken it off now. You have to see this in theaters now if you want to watch it, which let us encourage you, listener, do not pay for a movie <laughs> ticket to see this movie. That's just a little spoiler about how good this movie is. Don't do it. Now, I would, one like you to guess the Rotten Tomato score, and then two, I'm going to do a dramatic reading of the IMDb summary. So go ahead. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes for critics 
has to be 27%. <laughs> Very close. They gave it 37, which feels gracious to me. Whoa. <laughs> Maybe because it's Hugh Jackman. Like, There's like a baseline 10 points just for being Hugh Jackman. Maybe. Mm. But audience, 38. Mm. Very similar. Mm. So, so both critics and audience agree it's not a great movie. Now, the summary of this movie. I'm going to read IMDb because I don't know if I could even try to summarize this movie. Okay, I'm ready. Nick Bannister. A private investigator of the mind navigates the alluring world of the past when his life is changed by a new client, May. A simple case becomes an obsession after she disappears and he fights to learn the truth about her. That's, I know I saw this movie and I know that I looked at it <laughs> yeah. with my own eyes. That's right. But when I hear that description, mm-hmm. I think, yes. would like to watch that movie. That sounds fun. I guess. And I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, this is interesting. The MacGuffin, as you would say, of this movie is that Hugh Jackman runs this like Minority Report-esque facility where he can hook people up to these pods. MacGuffin. I don't think that means what you think it means. What? What do you think a MacGuffin is? MacGuffin is the thing in the movie that, uh, you know, furthers the plot or it's like the item or the the thing. The, the all-powerful item. It's like an Infinity Stone. Isn't an Infinity yeah. Stone like a MacGuffin? Yeah. yeah. So I feel like the MacGuffin of this movie is the ability to see people's memories. Isn't that? It's not a MacGuffin. MacGuffin is something that you want to like get your hands on and steal. Like it's the. Oh, it's, it's got to be a physical object. Can't be that abs- yeah, it's got to be a thing. Oh, okay. It's, it's a thing. It's like the, uh, the Eye of Agamotto. It's got to be a thing. Exactly. It's the eye okay, of okay. Well, never mind. Well, then the, the plot device the, of this yes. movie is that Hugh Jackman can hook people up to these pods and kind of walk them through their memories and navigate them and the memories are displayed in this holographic imagery thing so you can actually see what this person remembers Mm -hmm. and it is the reality of what happened like it doesn't appear you can fool the machine it's not like you can put something different in your mind and remember that it will recall exactly what happened in your past in your memories from your perspective pause yeah two things at this moment Uh one Hugh Jackman leading me in some sort of calm, meditative app at the end of the day. Oh, yes. I am down for. You're going on a journey. But I want him in his actual Australian accent. I'm right, sick of American accent, Hugh. Just give me right. the Australian. You got the Headspace Go app over here. Over. This exactly. is the Logan Space. Yes. Logan. <laughs> I'd be definitely. No, no. Logan Space is his American one. Hmm. Drover Space from Drover Australia. Space. I like it. I, I don't. Okay. The, and then two things. And the other thing is this. Yeah. If I'm going to go into a tank and have Hugh Jackman go through my memories, mm-hmm. before I lay down, I'm going to say, real quick question, uh, how are you going to see these memories? And they go, look over there on that platform. It's going to be like a 20 foot by 20 foot giant scene. Right. I'll say, actually, Hugh, do you mind just putting on some headsets, like a VR <laughs> goggles, and you yeah. just kind of watch it in the privacy, and I right. don't have my all my memories sort of projected out for the whole room? I don't know who's going to walk into this space right. and see my memories. Could you just like look into a little, you know, a little binoculars and right, see my right, memories? Right. This doesn't need Thanks. to be a show. This can just be a private experience. Yeah, a private experience, please. Me and me and Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Carry on. So. That's an interesting premise. You know, it's a little bit of like the uh, chaos walking where you see people's thoughts. But this is you see mm-hmm. people's memories. So that's interesting. We're also in the dystopian future, which normally would really get me going. Like, I want to see dystopian future stuff. And to see Hugh Jackman in the dystopian future, I'm mm-hmm. all about it. Mm-hmm. And we're apparently in Miami. It's in Miami, yep. right? Yep. What is it about Miami? There was the Chris Pratt Amazon Prime uh, alien movie. 
Well, what is it that we watch there? Uh, during COVID, they let people film there a lot. Oh, is that what it was? I have no idea. I'm just guessing. <laughs> what was what was that Chris That's Pratt? My malarkey answer. What was that yeah. Chris Pratt movie we did? Oh, with the with the is he die die by spiky ones. Yeah, the world yeah, is not that, tomorrow. So the tomorrow war. The tomorrow war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the tomorrow war, <laughs> dystopian with aliens, and then reminiscence is dystopian with memories and flooding. I think they say a couple times like climate change, right? That's why yep. Miami is let's underwater. Talk, let's talk dystopian future right now. Sure, sure. Because you and I, we are into dystopian futures. Oh, I love for it. For sure. Yeah. I have, we're living it literally in reality in a dystopian future. Yeah, it's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm kind of down for a half-sunken city. Sure. Like I find like the walls keeping the water at bay – but like some water's always like covering the streets and it's wet all the time. And then you see every once in a while, like the rich have built this dry island to keep themselves safe while like flooding the, the slums. And then like those places are like floating on boats. Yeah, yeah. That as an overall concept is really cool. I really like it because it's water world. Yeah, but it's like halfway water world. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you're almost there, but no one's developed gills yet. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more reasonable water world. A more, yeah, a little less, yeah, a little less uh, Lost Boys hook. Right. Look, and right, a little right. bit more like, oh, this is more connected to reality. Yeah. I think that concept is super cool, but never. Have I seen a dystopian movie so much almost despise its own dystopian world? Because apparently they're like, <laughs> ah, we don't really care to show you that much of it or really explain, you know, like oh, yeah. really talk about the fun stuff. We're just here for Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson. Which, and I was so disappointed because I was ready to like, I wanted to know about this like rich person dry island. Right, right. They, they mentioned that in passing and they show an image of it. And it's like, what is that? Like, show me that uh, Elysium uh, thing floating in the water. Yes. Like, that's what I want to see. But no, what we get, Nate, in this movie. <laughs> yep. Which, I, which, which, what I would, what I would want mm-hmm. in a Hugh, you know, if it's Hugh Jackman a lot in a movie, that sounds great. But what we get is him like voice overing and narrating so much 60% of this movie so we just hear much. we hear his voice constantly he's just constantly talking either on screen or uh-huh. off screen as a voiceover yep. and they i don't know something about it made my skin crawl like obviously the script is terrible obviously the plot of this movie is convoluted and i guess hearing jack hearing Hugh Jackman try to voiceover this convoluted plot and terrible script kind of made my skin crawl like i did not want to hear him talk anymore too much it was too much narration yeah it was all pretty like we got to explain more of this people don't get it because we filmed this in a way to kind of jump around a bit without uh connective tissue or transitions or stuff at at one point in time i looked and thought is this kind of like a christopher nolan inception knockoff that's supposed to leave you a little bit like off kilter because you're like i don't wait where am i at the beginning i thought oh i get it it's supposed to be confusing because we're going to bounce back between memories and real life well that happens one time and then the rest of it's like i think this is just supposed to be artsy filmmaking well Here's the thing. You think it happens one time, but first of all, I just need to say this, Nate. After watching this movie, I don't care at all about this movie. I don't even care. I, I am the opposite. I care so much about but Nate, this movie. But, Nate, this is a bad movie. This is a bad movie. And even with Rebecca Ferguson and Hugh Jackman, two stars who mm-hmm. 
we'll have to talk about Romance Corner yes. very soon. Yes. But after they meet and this plot ensues about how maybe she set him up and she maybe she's a bad druggie, but maybe she actually loved him and all this stuff. And then we see him like wake up in the pods like three or four times and it's like well wait a minute did we just watch him remember stuff for a while did we just watch like i don't even know what we're watching anymore yes we did i know we did did. but it's just it's confusing i need to say something right now okay i am too riled up you're riled up to care about spoilers oh yeah so i need you i need everyone to just be like we're talking about this whole movie we're gonna talk about the whole movie because listeners you shouldn't watch this movie you should just listen to us talk about it. Well, no, okay. Nate, okay, people okay, are not okay, watching okay. the movie. It's a bad movie. All right, we need to start with Hugh Jackman right now, because yeah, okay. you said about his, you know, he said about his voiceover. Yeah, that's that's one thing. <laughs> yeah, I need to talk about Nick Bannister, the person that Hugh Jackman plays. He might be just be called Jack Human for all I care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Jack Human. So Jack character. I watched this whole movie. And then I had a thought. Does Nick Bannister have any personality? Mm. Does he have anything about it? Like, it tricks you into thinking he's a human, a person. But then I, <laughs> right. here's what I know about Nick Bannister at the end of this movie. He was in some sort of war. Right. And kind of has like... He was some a captain PTSD. or something. Like yeah. he has like escaping the war. Right. He is apparently a, a good dude when it comes to like... You know, he's mod. You know, when he watches women in their memories, he turns away if it's, you know, he wants to give them their privacy, which I think is shows that he's like a respectful guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He doesn't do drugs, but drinks quite a bit. (laughs) Right. And he is pretty good at guiding people through their memories. Uh huh. And he is super, super, super into a woman named May. Who showed up at his memory farm or whatever, mm-hmm. randomly one night looking for her keys. Yes. Okay. Before we go into their story, is there anything else about Nick Bannister, what he's like as a person that you learned from this? Or is he really just like, might as well just call him protagonist? He's basically protagonist. The only character we see him is one that is obsessed with this May character who may have fallen in love with her, but that might have all been fake. And so then it's just him grappling with, did he actually have a real love relationship or was it all fake? And that's his whole motivation is to figure that's out. His, like, that's his whole this thing. This whole thing is I need to find this woman again so I can know was my relationship with her real or was she tricking me the whole time? But that's his only deal. That's his only deal. Yeah, I can't tell if he likes the world he lives in. I'm sure he said it in some sort of voiceover, but like... Is he sad that Miami's sinking into the ground? Is he? Does he like his job? Does he feel stuck here? Does he care about money? He's just living. He he's just living. About, he's just living. It's like a dead end living. job kind of thing. Like he's just doing his thing. I don't know. He works for the government. Has he ever been in love before? Was he with someone in the past? I don't even know. I say I don't care. Like I don't care because he's he's a blank. He's a blank. He's just a face. blank slate. And also, this movie gives us no. I don't know. I mean, I don't. Spoiler. I mean, again, spoilers. But even by the end of this movie, you don't feel anything. You don't feel. I mean, I guess you feel a little <laughs> sad, but you don't feel anything. Like I don't care. There. You're right. I'm not sure. You know who I cared for a little bit? Watts. The lady. Yeah. Yeah. How do you say her name? Oh, I looked it up before the... Look at me being a good podcaster. Oh, uh, yeah, please. How do you how do you say her name? Tandiwe. Oh, thank Tandiwe you. Tandiwe Newton. Thank you for saying so not, that. You don't say the H. You so don't say, say Tan. Tandiwe, Tandiwe Newton. Newton. Who is an incredible actress. Great. 
Yes. In Mission Impossible 2, which we yes. discussed on this show. In yes. Westworld, great in that show too. Tan Dewey plays his business partner. And they truly have what I think to be like a, a respectful relationship with each other. And I enjoyed them working together. Yeah, they were good. She was good. I believed her. Like She actually had a backstory. We learned that she has a daughter out there somewhere, but she can't like handle seeing her. And there's a lot of pain there. And so she drinks just enough to... Like, not feel pain. Yep. Like she has more character and story than Hugh Jackman's character. Yep. And he's like the deal. Yep. He's the he, he's the the uh the Barnum and Bailey of this movie. And Oh, you said oh yeah. You said a word. Okay. You said a word and now welcome to a terrible, terrible corner of the room called Conspiracy Corner. Oh. Because you said Barnum. <laughs> okay. I feel this is the greatest showman prequel. I have a feeling this feels like a fan film that was filmed in between scenes of Greatest Showman. Or it was Greatest Showman happened. Yeah. And someone out there said they saw Hugh Jackman look at Rebecca Ferguson while she's singing Never, Never, right. Never Enough. We need to give him a love story. They got some chemistry. And they and yeah. they said we can make a movie out of this. Him looking longingly at her is kind of what this movie is all about. Right. And then we proceed to in my conspiracy corner. Mm. I think the mansion for the rich people from the outside looks exactly like the parents of of his wife in Greatest Showman. That feels like the same set. Yeah. There is a scene on the rooftop with sheets hanging down. Uh, you know, I did see that. I saw that scene and I was like, wait a minute. That's from The Greatest Showman. <laughs> so, I feel yeah. like there are some greatest showman-y like, closeness that either it feels like they're just like, hey, you finished Greatest Showman. Hugh Jackman, just take 20 days. And Rebecca Ferguson, just uh, stay. Can you stay after class right. for a second and film this movie? Okay. This feels like a Greatest yeah. Showman, like, hey, we're all here. Okay, so, okay, I need to do this because I feel like the people have not seen this movie. If they're listening to this episode, I think there's a good chance they haven't seen this movie because A, they're not going to pay for it in theaters, and B, it's not on any... There's also a good chance that no one's going to listen to this episode because they're like, reminiscence, never heard of it, probably won't see it. Probably. So here's the deal. This is for us. Yeah. May, played by Rebecca Ferguson, comes into Hugh Jackman's parlor, says she'd lost her keys. They fall in love. They have this relationship, and then she disappears. Fall in love is a the loaded They fall phrase. into <laughs> infatuation with each other. They Then she disappears. <laughs> then they... It. They come to find out, or Hugh Jackman comes to find out, that maybe he was tricked all along and that Rebecca Ferguson is actually just working with some drug lord or whatever. And then the whole movie... Not even a drug lord, just like a henchman Just like dude. a random dude. Then we proceed, the rest of the movie is Hugh Jackman trying to find Rebecca Ferguson because he wants to find out, did she actually love him or not? And then that's like the second half of the movie. There's all these weird things about this rich people and this plot yes, and yes, the, the yes, things... Yes. And the I can't stand it, wife, Nate. I can't. I cannot stand. Mom. Can't stand talking about any of it. That that scene was weird. All of that. There was a fight scene with Cliff Curtis, who plays this character Cyrus. Dude, imperfect. Weird. <laughs> it was the weirdest fight scene I feel like I've ever seen. You know what that Cliff Curtis Hugh Jackman scene seemed like? It seemed like they were like, "Listen, we don't have a fight." choreographer we don't have a stunt choreographer on this movie right just you guys stuff. have both been in a lot of stuff why don't you guys you two go together 
go have some pot bellies and then like work on something that looks like a good fight scene. You guys work together. We don't have stuntmen for this. Just so make sure you never hit each other or get close to each other. But like do something like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We've been in a lot of action movies. We can do this. And then they came back and I was watching that scene like, one, I don't care about any of these people. And two, this fight scene does not look good. It's not good. And then in the end, they like traps Cyrus's hands in a piano or something and the piano drops and then he swims down 50 feet to try and rescue him because he's trying to get information about where he May goes is. to try to rescue Cyrus on like, oh, I can't believe we're here already before we get to romance corner but and then Cyrus like punches him some underwater like I'm trying to save you bro it is right but it's like what else did you think was going to happen Hugh Jackman this man has been trying to kill you for the past 10 minutes yep why why would you think that he would be like oh thanks for saving me bruh like it's just okay. so here's weird. what you do yeah in that moment, I can't believe we are so out of order, but I just need to say this yeah. for the three people who've seen this movie. <laughs> Cyrus falls down a piano shaft, falls down into the water with, with his hands under a piano or something. I don't know how he can't get out. Yeah. If I'm Hugh Jackman, here's what I do. I count to 45 seconds, mm. and then I swim down, and I get a almost drowning or passed out Cyrus. To come back to the surface. Yeah. Also, if I'm Cyrus and Hugh Jackman stupidly comes down and frees me, I swim up to the surface. I punch him a little bit. <laughs> swim up to the surface while he has a moment of being like, should I die under this water? No, I see Rebecca Ferguson. I need to swim up now. <laughs> if I'm Cyrus, I don't hang out there by the hole. No. Or I watch the hole to see, hey, do you, I wonder if Hugh Jackman's going to come back out. And when he does, I'm going to hit him in the head. He's sitting with his back to the water hole, and Hugh Jackman just comes out and stabs him with a needle. I do feel a little sorry for Cyrus, to be honest, at the end. Because apparently you can torture people through memory, and I guess Cyrus had a memory of like being burned, and Hugh Jackman like forces him. That's how he, got, he lost right. his ear. And by lost his ear, I mean he got a bunch of um, makeup over top of yeah, where yeah. his ear was so his head gets a little they call wider. it a cauliflower ear but anyway mm-hmm. out of control so there's this confusing plot thing where rebecca ferguson's character was saving this other lady's kid because this other lady played by angela seraphian she plays this elsa character mm-hmm. that she had an illegitimate child with this rich family person I just, I don't care. And then in the end, Hugh Jackman comes to find out that Rebecca Ferguson, in order to protect the location of the child that she hid in the middle of the ocean, she chooses to overdose and kill herself. But as she is about to do it, she is with Cyrus. And this is before Cyrus dies, of course. Cyrus is the bad henchman guy. Cyrus is the bad henchman. Nothing we're saying makes sense to anyone. No one understands anything. And so May, the the only cool use of this whole memory thing is May basically talks to Cyrus as though she was talking to Hugh Jackman, telling him that she actually was in love with him. She even kisses Cyrus so then Hugh Jackman can replay this memory later and hear her say all these things because I don't know. It's the only cool part of this movie. It's the only cool part of this movie. And And then she dies. And the movie ends in this like lackluster, you know, Hugh Jackman goes to the rich family and I guess blackmails him from something. Nate, none of this makes sense. I don't care about any of this. I care about all of it. This movie ends and you don't. Don't disengage. You don't give. I'm I'm steering you right back into the, you tried to get out of the hurricane. I'm going right back. Which, what hurricane? What? There's nothing here. It's just a bunch of like mediocre scenes of like, uh, I guess romance. Welcome to Romance Corner. Romance Corner. Sure. All right. Rebecca Ferguson and Hugh Jackman. They have their meetup. She walks in. It's like a 
film noir, like an old, like right, right, out of right. all the bars in all the world, you walked into mine sort of thing. She's in a full-length dress. Yeah, She's in like a red dress, probably walked right off of the Greatest Showman set. Again, right. part of my Greatest Showman conspiracy. She is just like, immediately, because I saw the trailers for this movie, I was like, oh, okay. She's like a con woman. She's here to trick him. So that's how I lived my life going like, she doesn't really care for Hugh Jackman. Right. So she does the little memory thing. For a movie that's about guiding someone through memories, there's not a lot of it. <laughs> right. There's no, it's not that cool, and it's not that much of it. And it's like, all right, we can't do a ton of it. She goes down into what maybe. Oh, man, people worked hard in this movie, I'm sure. But I think this tank may be the laziest prop I've ever seen in a movie, like a dystopian movie, because it really is just like, we have this fish tank, we put a beach chair in it so you can lay back, and then we put like a little thing used from another movie from like, you know, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, put that on your forehead, and that's the prop. It's not milk, it's not anything, it's just water <laughs> that's all it is. in this fish tank that, that she lays in. And then... We see afterwards, he goes and finds her singing, which again, rip off straight from Greatest Showman. She's singing and he's like, wow, you're singing my dad's song or somebody. <sighs> Nate, uh, just as you're saying all this, I'm so mad because it's such a bad yes, movie. Yes, yes, it's yes, so yes, bad. Yes, yes. So then she's like, you can come over to my place. And so I'm thinking, oh, okay, I get it. She's like trying to seduce him. She's trying to like, sure. this is, she's still like, you know, an unknown quantity. Yeah. They then have a makeout. Which I had the thought while watching it, I don't actually think they have chemistry. Like, I had a moment of going, mm. maybe they had it in Greatest Showman, right. but now I'm watching an actor and an actress who are probably very happily with other people in life, their families, who are like, you have to do one scene where you have to show, like, this is the beginning of your relationship. Like, this is like right. your one night fling. This is your, like, yeah. moment. Yeah. And I watched it and I went, oh, there's nothing here. No. Oh, no. No, there's not. I don't think there's any chemistry. Like, I saw, then after that, we see a scene, which should be a one-night thing. Like, the movie should be written in a way where she gets everything she needs in one night. Right. Instead, we see later through memories, they're together for a long time. Right. I sense zero chemistry between these characters. What do you think? Nate, I, I think I agree. There's zero chemistry. There's the one scene where they're standing on, like, some clock tower overlooking Miami. And it's the only moment where I feel anything with the two of them. And it's also because the only good line of this movie is spoken. Mm-hmm. So Hugh Jackman's character says, No such thing as a happy ending. All endings are sad, especially if the story was happy. And so then May, Rebecca Ferguson says, Well, tell me a happy story and stop it in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's a good line. It made me think about things. It'd be f- yeah, it would be fun if the movie actually used that concept it well it kind of does well kind kind of does we'll get to the end we can't even get to the ending that'll happen in a second but anyway but aside from that no i felt no chemistry i felt like honestly i forgot rebecca ferguson was in the greatest showman Mm. i honestly did not even remember that until you said it as we record this podcast and that makes even less sense to me why this movie is this bad because they definitely had chemistry in Greatest Showman. Absolutely. Tons of chemistry. I think it was a terrible script and a ridiculous plot that, I don't know, totally strips any romance from this movie that could have been possible. Okay, next I thing. I don't like it. So I assume throughout this whole romance that she is conning him. 
because I saw some trailers and also like even during their like makeout scene, she's like looking over his shoulder. Like you can almost hear the music go dun dun dun. Like she's not really into it. She's not really into him. She's right. she's using him. So I'm all like I'm Team Watts, not Team May. At some point in time throughout the relationship, I wrote this down. Are we ever supposed to like May? At the end, yeah, at the end we are. Because at the end, the the big turn is supposed to be May being like while high saying I actually do love him. I actually did love him. I don't think she's high at that point because she says the, all that stuff and then she goes to take all the drugs. So I don't think she's, oh, I thought she was she's a, in a right mind. There. I thought she was. Okay, so this is a street drug that's used in this movie that's similar to Minority Report, which this right. movie is similar to Minority Report in a lot of ways. Yeah, The street drug, we have no idea what it does to you except that it's highly addictive, right? That's basically all we know. Nate, I just need to do an aside to our listeners that if, if you're still listening to this episode, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because you're the real ones. You're actual The Mott's fans mm. because this movie, I wouldn't even listen to this episode. <laughs> this is because this movie is that bad. Steven has to listen to this to edit it, but other than that, uh, he's yeah, never coming back to this to movie. Honestly, I don't think I'm going to edit it very much. <laughs> this might be a straight <laughs> shot. It's just right in the game. All game. the way through. Yeah. Okay. So May at the end is supposed to say, I loved him. I'm not sure I ever believe that she did fall in love with him. Because, as we've learned, Nick Bannister's not a real human. So what is it about Nick that she actually likes? I mean... His hair? The movie implies that they spend some time together. Like, multiple weeks, maybe? Maybe even months together? Don't they imply that it's like a six-month thing? Like, it was the best six months or whatever? Yeah. I feel like there's there's an implication of time there. So... We don't see. They told us, yeah, Hugh Jackman probably told us in a voiceover. It's been yeah, that's a long what I'm time saying. That's together. what I'm saying. But the, the, the chemistry does not match it, for sure. Right. So Here are the things I wish we had more of in this movie. I wish I had not seen this movie. That's what I wish. I liked St. Joe. I don't care what anyone says. The drug dealer? <laughs> yeah. He is like a weird enough dude. Sure. That he was like, you belong in a dystopian world. You are, you know, yeah, absolutely. you are the Dennis Hopper of this water world. <laughs> yeah. So like the, El- the Elsa character also. She's a very good dystopian character. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm down for it. I also kind of like the mom who lives that scene over and over again. She's appropriately creepy for a dystopian movie. Yeah. I thought she was decent. Now, remember this. The whole reason why May is doing all of this, the whole reason she did research about Nick Bannister, the whole reason she's doing all of this, the one reason she's doing it is to get into the safe in this janky dream castle to steal a plastic disc that has the memory of Elsa on it that that she had an affair with the rich guy. Right. That's it. That's, that's all. It. That's months and months and months of stuff of doing it. Yeah. Now, <laughs> one, why not blow up the whole building and just like you have been shown, you'll just burn everything down. The rich guy's like, yeah, it's a problem. Why go through all this rigmarole to steal a disc when you can just bury the whole thing or, or just if they just kill the kid and Elsa? And it's not like they're going to go back to the archives and be like, hey, let's just take an old look at someone's memories. All of this is to steal a memory to destroy the evidence of something that literally no one will ever come looking for. Here's what this plot is like. In the back of a bed, bath, and beyond, (laughs) 
is a piece of silverware. That piece of silverware has the fingerprints of a murderer on it. Mm. They use the murder weapon, put it back into the box of a silverware thing at a Bed Bath & Beyond. Okay? And this movie is the equivalent of the murderer getting a job at that Bed Bath & Beyond, becoming uh, working for several months, becoming like the security advisor at Bed Bath & Beyond, and one night, very late, destroying all all of the cameras slowly so that they never knew he was there, walking to the back, grabbing the silverware out, and stealing it. And then after six months of working at Bed Bath & Beyond, and he's gotten a paycheck after that, he then walks out. When you look at that and go, hold on a second, no one's going to ever find that murder weapon that you put in that box because you cleaned it off, so it's fine. And two, just blow up the Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> You're a murderer. What if you blow it up and that thing like flies across town and it's not actually destroyed. You know, if I, if I really want a peace of mind, I would need to know, like, I would need to hold it and, like, watch it melt in a fire or something. I mean, like, okay, but she did all this stuff. Here's all she had to do. He opens up the, he, he whistles the, the song that gets him into his vault. Again, worst security passcode ever. <laughs> Thanks, Apple, for not doing that for us. Should have used Face ID. Okay, it's open. Just have Cyrus sneak in, let him in, and when he opens it at some point in time, knock him out. You know, like you could yeah. kill Nick Bannister. No one cares. Cyrus don't care. Nate. And then Nate. steal the thing you're trying to steal. Why have him fall in love with you? I don't know. So you can learn his special song. That, well, yeah, that's the whole plot device because that's the only way to get in. And he's not. He doesn't just like whistle that down the street. Nate, I can't talk about this movie anymore. I really can't. I but I I only have one question for you. Mm. Here at the end, this movie kind of shows people who are living in their past because they believe their past is happier than their present. Oh, this is moral of the story. This I, is I'm moral here. of the story. Welcome, Elsa, the character. You know, she comes into Hugh Jackman's thing often, and they see her replay these same moments with a lover. Yep, and they talk about her in this like. Oh, man, she's like so stuck in the past. She can't even live today. And here's the thought I had. Do I actually have some memories mm. that I would actually want to continually live over and over again? We need to tell you guys, at the end of this movie, he decides to live the rest of his life. Yeah. Reliving the memories of a time when a woman was trying to con him into stealing his vault stuff. Yeah. Eventually falls in love with him, but the memories he chooses to stay in is one of someone gaslighting him. <laughs> Forever. Forever. All right, back to you. And it's like, I don't know of any memory that would be worth that. Even if I just had five more years of real life to live. Why would I choose to relive a memory like novelty wears off? Mm. And no matter how good a memory is, even if it could be experienced as though it were real life, nothing I think is that good where you would want to repeat it over and over again for the rest of your life as opposed to living out your future. I guess some people's lives are really tough. And if, you know, you live in a place like a dystopian future where like the rest of your life might be extremely right. bleak and difficult, I guess... But just like us today in this world, maybe we are in the dystopian future. <laughs> but like for you, Nate, do you could you even think of a memory or time that you would want to like hook up into the matrix and relive the rest of your life as opposed to actually living life? No, not really. I think what I would rather do is I would rather do the inception thing and dream share. Right, right. And like I would rather like take my I mean 
if you could tell me like, hey, you can choose what memory to go back to while you sleep at night and I'm yeah, not missing different. the future, yeah. that's fine. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Is there, a, you don't have to tell us the specific memory, but is there a memory that you would pay like $1,000 to experience just once as though it were real life? I could give you a goofy, goofy answer, but I think the real answer, reliving a moment with someone who's died. Mm. Like a fan, like like seeing my grandma again. Yeah. I think that would be the the closest I would feel to like, oh, I just want to go back and have like one more conversation with the knowledge like, oh, I miss that person. I think that's what I would pay for. Mm. I mean, the I haven't uh, had people in my life who I'm like super, super close to. Right. pass away but i think you know the idea of having like your wife die or you know someone close to you a family member die i feel like that would be like i would want to go back and relive a moment with them with the knowledge of like they're no longer around and i'll miss them i want to see their face again kind of like the about time movie where he yeah goes it goes ping yeah pong see your day. dad and, and do ping pong together yeah i guess that's worth it to me okay i wouldn't want to do it over and over again Right, yeah, that's the thing. Like, once. You know, you do it once. Nate, what is not worth it is watching this movie. And I think we should rate this movie so our listeners understand how bad this movie is. No one got to this part of the episode. No one one got here. On a scale of zero to five Mm -hmm. earrings, the things that she drops, because there was one scene where, like, he was very close to saving her and he, like, doesn't answer the door quick enough. Kind of like how I missed they're my iPhone ugly, delivery. They're anyway. kind of ugly mm-hmm. earrings. Kind of ugly earrings, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, you missed the iPhone delivery. I'm yeah, sorry. I did. You'd okay. go back and relive the... Relive I would. I would go back and say no signature required. On a scale of zero to five earrings, I'm giving this movie... I'm giving this movie zero earrings. Oh! You know why, Nate? I There's not many movies that I think to myself... I wish I could go back and not watch this movie. I would have not recommended it for the show. I would have not wanted to see Hugh Jackman mm. in this role. If I could go back, I would not watch this movie. I would remove it from my memory. Remove in essence. I've watched this over two nights, and I'll be honest, I really struggled to finish it. Like I struggled that second night to even resume playing the second half of this movie and watch it because I just I couldn't stand it. And I think this is Hugh Jackman. This is such a shame. You know, I love Hugh Jackman and yep. most everything he's in. Except for this one. Like, this is the one thing that I don't like that he's in. This movie's terrible. Our listeners should not watch it, should not pay to watch it, should, should, no, just no. Don't, don't do it. Do you do know by giving it a zero, you've fascinated some people? Now some people must watch it because you gave it a zero. If they watch it, surely they will understand why. But I, I truly believe this might be the worst movie we've done on this podcast, and I wanted to rate it as such. I needed to rate it as such. This movie is terrible. I can't remember. You know, I wish a friend of the show, Jackson, had that uh, Google spreadsheet updated so I could actually see what was the lowest rating before this one. But this mm. this has got to take the cake. This is just a terrible movie. It was even difficult to talk about. I didn't even want to talk about it. That's how bad this movie is. <laughs> I'm so mad. Okay, go ahead. Uh, the order of events is as such. Stephen, I think, recommended Reminiscence uh, to watch it. You then did watch it. Then without telling me, without warning me, without letting me know I should bail from this, I spent real hard-earned money from our fans <laughs> that we get from the show yeah. to get an HBO Max subscription 
to watch this movie. I paid $15 to see this movie with my eyeballs. It would be less expensive to go see it in theaters. Oh, and I watched this movie. That's an insult. You know, I went, I watched this movie yeah. with my wife, with the love of my life. <laughs> I said, let's watch a movie together. <sighs> and this is what we watched. So and I sorry. do have to say, I'm so baffled by it's it. It's terrible. It's so bad. It is. <laughs> it, can we just chalk it up to covid like this is what happens to movies when covid gets them i don't know i guess maybe anyway i have to assume that something bad happened behind the scenes that made this movie in a lot of ways unwatchable but i'm gonna give reminiscence maybe if we rearrange the letters it makes a better no you can't even make a better word with those science letters. science marin yeah. okay anyway i think reminiscence gets a one one earring for me yeah it's gracious it's a gracious rating. The dystopian concept is decent enough that I, I obviously don't want to see this movie again. No one should ever never, see this movie Never, never again. No, no one should never, see it the first time. Never, never. <laughs> yeah, go back and see that movie. Anyway. Yeah, I'm going to give it a one. I think it's it feels like a, yeah, a greatest show. Here's something, and I've debated saying it because she might be a great director and other things. Sure. But Lisa Gold directed this movie. Uh-huh. She directed and co-produced Westworld mm, mm-hmm. from the co-producers of Westworld. I hope she makes gets another chance at another movie because I'm going to just give the benefit of the doubt that something sort of bad happened <laughs> through it. Yeah. Maybe COVID. She is married to Jonathan Nolan, the brother of Christopher Nolan. Oh, wow. And I, she's a sister-in-law of Christopher Nolan. And I do have to say, because this movie gave me Christopher Nolan knockoff vibes every once in a while. I'm going to, without any evidence and being blasphemous, say maybe she made something decent and Christopher Nolan's like, hey, Lisa, maybe you should make it a little bit more mysterious and out of order and like add in some like really interesting <laughs> overdubbed things here or there. And maybe Christopher Nolan backseat drove part of this movie and that's how it sort of snuck in. I don't know. I, I love that there's a 100% chance Christopher Nolan watched this movie, and I would love to know yep. what he thought at the end. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, listeners, we apologize uh, for this movie and for this episode. <laughs> this episode might be as unlistenable as the movie. It really is, and I, and I apologize. Here's what you should do. You should go do a free trial on Apple Podcasts and listen to our bonus episode where we talked about my Dude Perfect event experience. We saw Dude Perfect live, and that... That conversation is is very enjoyable. Dystopian. Well, a little dystopian too. Yeah, we actually do a little uh, a little role playing at the end. But anyway, you should go do that, or you can support us on Patreon, patreoncom slash movies on the side. And uh, we have a bunch of listeners suggested movies that we got on Instagram, and so we will be doing those because they will surely be better than this movie. So we'll do that. But if you haven't yet. <laughs> graciously give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That would be greatly appreciated. Listen to other episodes, please. We are better than this. Oh, my goodness. Don't listen to this one. That's too late. You're already here. You're here at the end. So in that case, you can comment on our Instagram, at Movies on the Side, and let us know if you actually saw this movie. Let us know. I would want to know. Here's a, here's a proof of concept. If you actually listen to this entire episode to this point and you are still listening to our voices, comment on our Instagram this special key phrase. Are you ready? Tuba Giraffe. Please comment on our Instagram, Tuba Giraffe. Just those two words, and we will know that you actually listened to this entire episode, and you will be the real ones. 
and no one will understand why you're commenting that, but that's okay. It's between you and us. And finally, as we always say, insert dramatic music here. <clears throat> People don't just disappear. Don't say always. Always makes promises it can't keep. What other ending can there be? People like us don't fall in love. We plummet to places deep and dark. But love, love is the thing we climb to. Missing people is part of this world. Without that sadness, you can't taste the sweet. Oh my goodness. The problem with going dry is the mind is clear. But the hands, they shake. Nate, Men are, are strange, doing? aren't they? They don't say what's right in front of them. What is happening, Nate? Your are you best moments the aren't behind you. Why They're you waiting for this? your arrival. Why are you prolonging Nostalgia never goes <laughs> what, out of style. What are you doing? People love their secrets. <sighs> I'm giving them a choice of what phrase they want because there are so many that are, oh, I see. are right on the verge of being deep, but instead are... Only the rich mold the world to the Here's meat. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start our outro music and just slowly fade you out. Memories are like perfume. You're just going to slowly better in small fade doses. out. Memory is the boat that nothing. sails against And that current. will be the end of the episode. Don't just you always, fading slowly. Goodbye, listeners. I love their secrets. They do.